people will go out to Sunday Club and to Bible class. So we're glad to get that back in operation. And of course, it's in the SPU as it has been. Live Lounge is on tonight, 7.30 here in church. And the special guest is Julie Torrance. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but Julie McConnell may mean something to you. Julie is one of our former members who was here many years ago and has gone off, and she is doing the interview tonight. So I encourage as many of you as possible to be here to hear Julie. Now, Harvest Gift Day, each year we have a Harvest Gift offering. This year, Harvest has been brought forward by two weeks, so it's been a bit of a rush to get all the admin ready for it. And in fact, I know from this morning that some of the letters haven't yet gone out. So if you're a distributor and you haven't distributed your letters yet, please call into the kitchen this morning and collect them. And if you're at home saying, what's he talking about? I haven't got a letter. It'll be on its way. Now, if you can make your donation this morning, that's great. But if not, we will certainly receive it in future Sundays. And as ever, 10% of our harvest gift offering goes to a good cause. And this year, it's going to the World in Need mission. And just to supplement all of that, uh, there's a quiz sheet on its way. Muriel, who was in the vestibule this morning, is organizing that. It's to do with women of the Bible. So if you want to donate to that, it's a £2 donation, and learn a fair wee bit about the Bible, I can assure you, then have a word with Muriel or one of the committee members. And the last thing I want to say in Harvest is, we asked this year for donations towards Storehouse. From where I'm standing, I can see the trolleys packed. So thank you so much for the donations you've made this morning. It really will be a big help to Storehouse and to those who receive donations from Storehouse. PW Circle of Friends, first meeting, 4th of October, a couple of weeks' time. The special guests will be our own Tom and Evelyn Shaw, who will talk about their trip to Rwanda and bring updated information about that. Now, floral displays in the church, you can see them all around the place this morning. I just want to appreciate the work done by Florence and Maureen and Lorraine, who spent quite a bit of time in church decorating it for this morning's service. But also want to just take an opportunity to appreciate the work, appreciate the work of many others that goes on under the surface, and people, you know, it happens, but it just is there. I want to, for example, appreciate the work of Brian Gartland, who was at the manse this week, looking after the driveways, clearing them, the paths, the decking, and doing all that work, and that was a huge task. I want to also appreciate the work of George Liggett. George organised the intruder alarm and had it installed at the manse and there's lots and lots of other things going on so to each and every one of you who contributes in any small way or any large way thank you so much for your contribution to keep the church running masks we changed the situation last week if you are seated you have a choice of whether or not to wear your mask but if you're singing standing moving then you're asked to wear your mask please and certainly when you enter and when you leave. And finally, you'll be glad to hear, tomorrow is Monday, and Monday, you all know by now, is Kim and Jim Day. And you know what that means. Thank you so much. Reverend Flaherty, my privilege, my pleasure to invite you to lead our service this morning. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you again, um, and it's nice to be able to conduct worship with you on this special Sunday. And uh, thank you, convener, who's um, 
in Malayal. Basically finished by now, I'm sure, but it's been good to swap with him today so that we can each enjoy a different harvest. As we come to worship God, in Psalm 65, we're told, Praise await you, our God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. And as we reflect on those words, let us still ourselves before God. Let us pray. Father, as we gather today, we do so to fulfill our calling to praise you, our wonderful powerful and gracious Lord. We thank you for the many ways in which today we celebrate how you have answered our and many others' prayers in both practical and spiritual ways. With the psalmist, we recognize that without your intervention, our sins would have overwhelmed us in this life and in eternity. We bring you our thanks for how you have forgiven us through the intervention of our Saviour, who gave his life in order to, pre- to present us with new life. As your chosen people, we bring you our gratitude for how you have drawn us to yourself, kept us close to you, and brought us into your family, where we can constantly find encouragement and support when we celebrate your blessings together. Help us today to give you the worship and thanksgiving you deserve from hearts that have been warmed by your grace and your amazing provision for us. And we come to you today in the powerful and gracious name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. We'll stand and worship God together as we sing number 51 in the hymn book, Come, you thankful people, come.
Sometimes one small thing can make all the difference. One small connector in your game control that doesn't work can stop you playing those games that you so enjoy. It might be tiny. You might not even see the crack in it if you were able to open it up yourself. But it could just stop everything working. Without the bubbles, any fizzy drink that you drink just tastes awful, flat and terrible. And glasses like this can help us to see really clearly, whereas if I take them off, or when you've got a mask on and they steam up, as it happened to me earlier when I came into the building, um, couldn't see a thing. I was glad that your clerk was showing me to the minister's room, because by the time I got to the front of the church, my vision was pretty much impaired. Small things make a really big difference. And today, as we celebrate all that God has provided us with, We call it the harvest thanksgiving. And to have a harvest, lots of things are needed. You need seed, you need ground, you need water, you need light, and you need heat. All of those things are required. And if you take out one of them, or there's too little of it, or even too much of it, it can be an enormous problem. And instead of having a harvest, what you could do is take the word harvest Take one letter out of it and discover what we might all feel if we weren't able to have all that food. And you can think about that and you can work that one out for yourselves as to what word you can make out of harvest with one letter missing that means you don't eat. You can think about that and you can ask your teachers outside afterwards what that is. See if they know. I haven't briefed them, so they may be as uh, unsure about that as you. If we don't have a harvest, we don't have the stuff that we like to eat. You wouldn't be going home to a nice lunch. You wouldn't have all those things in your fridge or in your cupboards. And the one thing that makes sure that all of that happens is God. He uses lots of different people. And he provides all the things that we can't control, like the weather. And he does it all to keep a promise he made thousands of years ago to a man we all know his name. He's a man that built an ark. And at the end of the flood, when Noah was coming out of the ark, God promised, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Today we celebrate the fact that God keeps that promise every year, 
so that our farmers can provide us with the food we need and with more than we need so that we can help to supply it to others who don't have it. And as we celebrate that, we should always be giving thanks to God, who is the one who makes it all happen. And we're going to remind ourselves of that as we sing together the words of hymn number 18, All Things Bright and Beautiful. And at the end of this particular hymn, the young folk can all leave for Sunday school and Bible class.
As we come to talk to God again, we focus our thoughts on why we're here with these words from the psalm we started the service with. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. Let us come to this God who does this for us. Let us pray. Father, as we draw near to you today, we thank you for these words of the psalmist that give us such a perfect description of how you provide us with the harvest that we express our gratitude for today. We praise you that just as you have promised, you take care of the land by providing it with the necessary moisture, light, and heat, so that it is ready for seed that will then be able to produce a multiplied harvest. It still amazes us that every year this cycle is repeated and you bless us with an abundant supply of so many good things that we can enjoy and that benefit our bodies. As we give you thanks for how you continually keep your promises, we recognize that in part you use your life-giving power to do this, but you also work through many whose families have for generations formed the land. We praise you for their commitment to the rigors of life cultivating the land, their inherited and learnt knowledge that is so crucial, and their ongoing dedication to provide us with all that we need. We also recognize all those who are involved in the process of taking what is produced and bringing it to us, including those who transport, store, process, pack, and sell it to us. As we celebrate your goodness to us, we remember that although we have more than we need, there are others around us and across the world who never know where their next meal is coming from. And in remembering that there are many in this difficult position, we thank you for those you have raised up to help them. As they seek to do this in so many ways and in such diverse situations, we pray that you will provide them with all the resources they need. And to that end, we ask that you will give us the desire and the ongoing commitment to pray for and provide what we can to keep this work going as a sign of your loving care for others. Each of us may know people involved in this personally or through prayer letters or through information that we have been given. And we ask that you will draw near to them as well as to those in need to give them the strength and the help that they require.
as we pray for those in need, we also bring to you those on our hearts because they are currently experiencing loss, illness, uncertainty, or a continual anxiety as they continue to face the consequences of the current pandemic. You alone know how people are coping. And you are well aware that all of us at times can put on a good face in front of others. But we ask that you will draw near to all those who we bring to you now in the stillness of your presence. And in your amazing grace, we pray that you will meet their needs. As we turn our thoughts to your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will enlighten our minds, stir our hearts, and transform our lives. And we ask all these things in the gracious name of Jesus. Amen. We read together in God's Word from Psalm number 33 as we turn our thoughts to what He has to say to us today. In God's Word we read, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. 
May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And we trust that God will use his word to speak to our hearts after we have worshipped him again in the words of hymn number 59, we plow the fields and scatter. On a regular basis, we discover that in order to create something, there usually needs to be a process followed and followed in a certain way. If you're going to follow a recipe, you first of all have to make sure you've got all the ingredients, everything sitting there ready, and then you make sure that you put them together and cook them or bake them in exactly the way that you're told. 
Because if you don't, disaster may ensue. Something will not taste right, or something will be so hard because you've left it in the oven for so long that it's inedible. If you want to involve yourself in painting, whether it's the walls of a building or a canvas, there's certain things you need to do. You need to make sure that the surface is well prepared. You need to make sure that your brushes are ready, and then that the paint is all right and is ready to be used. And once you've done all of that, you then need to apply everything in the right order. Especially if you're going to paint something on a canvas, you don't want to put the light colors down first and then cover them over with dark stuff and then have to reapply them later, if you can. When we get it right, we can create something beautiful or delicious. And if we don't, it's obvious to everybody around us that something has gone badly wrong. Exactly the same thing is true when we look forward to a harvest. Long before the harvest will happen, farmers need to think about, prepare for, and work towards that goal. They choose the right sort of ground for what they want to grow. They get it ready. They make sure it's prepared. They have good seed that they're going to sow, and they put it in the ground at just the right time, which is more an art than a science. And then they wait. They might keep an eye on it every now and again. They might have certain devices to scare off birds, to try and keep them away from picking the seed out. But they wait. And sometimes they wait for quite a long time before they see growth coming through the ground. And then they wait for some time longer in order to get a harvest. All of that has to be done in the right order and at the right time with all of the right things. And when we think about worshiping God and saying thank you to him for all that he has given to us and all that he has done for us, the same sort of process should apply. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we gather for worship without really thinking about what we're doing, how we should do it, or who we are here to worship. We ought to prepare ourselves to do this. And in the words of the psalm that we have just read, in its totality, it's a call for us to worship God. And it gives lots of ideas and thoughts about why and how we should do that. The psalmist begins with a call to worship, making sure that we recognize how important this is for us to take time out of our daily lives and our weekly schedules to come into God's presence and worship Him. And in doing so, there are two things that are highlighted. Our worship should be fresh and joyful, is the first thing. Fresh in that with each new dawn we should come to God and worship Him for all the new things He has given us that we will experience that day. And it should be full of joy because He is a God who deserves our praise when we think about everything that He has given us. But our worship should also be personal and informed. Personal because God has brought us into his presence and has transformed us by his grace and has given us all sorts of good reasons to praise him. And therefore, we need to inform ourselves about what they are and how they should influence our approach to him. We are called to worship God. 
It's an inherent part of who we are as the people of God that we should come into his presence and thank him, not just once a year for a harvest, but every day for all that he blesses us with. And this psalm then goes on in large measure to give us reasons to worship him. The ingredients, if you like, to worshiping God properly are endless. But this writer, to help us understand some of what that means, summarizes them under several headings with the intention of aiding our memory so that when we come into the presence of God, there will be something to hang our thoughts and our songs on. He tells us first to worship God for his word. And that's an important thing to begin with, because it is in his perfect word. That word that is perfect in every aspect is right and true and clear and easily understood. It is in that word that we find out everything we need to know about God. We discover there that God is a God who is powerful, because he simply speaks and things happen. It reiterates what is said in the first chapter of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, where God spoke and things appeared out of nothing. We worship God for his word because in its written form, in its spoken form, and in its human form, Jesus, it reminds us of who God is. Because Jesus is called the word of God. He came And he showed us exactly what God can do through his word. Because in his life, he spoke and miraculous things happened. People were healed. The lame were able to walk. Storms were stilled. As he blessed bread and fish, thousands were fed from basically a packed lunch for one person. And through his death, And then his resurrection, the word of God declared that God had opened the way for us into his presence forever. We worship God for his word. But we're also called to worship God for who he is. And in these verses in this psalm, we are told many things about him. We are told he is faithful to all his promises, always keeping them like the promise he made to Noah about seed time and harvest. He kept all the promises he made about Jesus. Right from the start of the Bible all the way through the Old Testament, there was promise after promise about a Savior who would come, and Jesus, the Word of God, fulfilled all of those promises. He is faithful to his people as well. Even though we stray from him, He comes after us. The Bible is full of stories of how God's people strayed from the path he had placed them on and he went after them to bring them back. Sometimes he had to use difficult measures. Sometimes it was more easy to return them to the right path. But we should worship God for who he is because he keeps his promises and he looks after his people. And we're also called to worship God for his sovereignty, his lordship, the way in which he rules over everything. He foils the plans of those that he doesn't like. In the nations, there are powerful people 
people who think they can do whatever they choose. And sometimes we might even think they're getting away with that when they stray from what God has said. But God tells us that he can foil the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people who go against his will and what he wants to see achieved. And then he fulfills his own plans no matter what opposition stands in his way. And we see that throughout Scripture. There were people who stood up to his prophets, his priests, and his kings. There were people who tried to stop them doing what he had told them to do. And despite the fact they were small in number, despite the fact they were weak in, an, in a military sense, God was able to give them success and fulfill the plans he had for them. And even when Jesus came, Religious leaders and civil leaders conspired to try to stop him. Herod tried to have him killed when he was just a young child. The leaders thought they had succeeded, and no doubt his archenemy thought that he had succeeded when they saw him hang on a cross and die, only to discover that God raised him to life again, and that it was all part of his plan and his purpose to bring salvation into the world. God is a God whose plans succeed because he is the sovereign Lord and we should worship him as such. And the psalmist also reminds us to worship God for his protection. He looks after his children. He delivers us when we're in danger. He provides us with food in times of famine. And that can be physical, and it can also be spiritual, where he draws near to us to help us in those times. The prophet Elijah stood against all the prophets of Baal, and despite succeeding, and God demonstrating his lordship with fire that fell from heaven and burned up not just what was on the altar, but the altar itself, he then ran and hid because he was scared after threats were issued against him by the king's wife. But God drew near to give him physical food, physical rest, and the reassurance that spiritually he was not alone like he thought, but that there were thousands of others who were there to help God fulfill his purposes in that land yet. And God reassures us still that he not only protects us so that we can do what he asks us to do, but he reassures us there are others along with us, people in our congregations, people in our area, people across the world who still serve and follow our great king, even in days where it's difficult to do so, and even in situations where it is dangerous to do so. And God protects his people so that they can do this. In this psalm, we are given good reason to praise God for his word, for who he is, for his sovereignty, and for his protection of his people. And as we seek to do this, by recalling the one we worship to our minds and turning over who he is as we come to address him, the psalmist tells us that our joy will increase and our trust in him will be strengthened. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
In him our hearts rejoice. We trust in his holy name. We are given good reason to praise him. And when we do praise him for all the right reasons, we discover a joy deep down within us that, as Nehemiah tells us, is our strength. For the joy of the Lord strengthens us, and our trust in him will be strengthened so that we can continue following him no matter what happens. In concluding this psalm, the writer shares with us the harvest that we will reap when we worship God properly. And this spiritual harvest will transform our lives and will help us to be the sort of worshipers God desires. For as Jesus said to the lady at the well, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the psalmist tells us right at the end that if we do this, if we worship God in the way that God has called us to do, two things will happen. We will have a real passion to know God's unfailing love in our lives. We will seek to know and experience this love daily and allow this love to transform us, to take hold of our hearts and minds and change how we view everything that happens around us and to us and even how we cope with really difficult times. Knowing this love, knowing that God loves us, knowing that he loves all his people, changes everything. I just recently had to bury my mother. This is my first time in a pulpit since that happened. And several of our friends commented when they came to the service, because the service was about how much she loved God, which she had done for over eight decades. The fact that we knew she loved God and God loved her changed how we worshipped that day. You have probably been at funerals where the people who are being buried or whose lives are being given thanks for had nothing to do with God. There is no comfort there. But when we have the love of God in our hearts, when we know his unfailing love surrounds us, even in the darkest of days, it changes everything. Because we know he cares for us, And he knows, as the psalmist says, we can confidently put our hope in him, recognizing that he will never let us down. He will always be there for us. He will be there to help us no matter what, so that we can keep on serving him wholeheartedly and living for him in the middle of great difficulties. Knowing he loves us changes everything. It causes us to hope in him with a confidence that enables us to persevere in our faith and continue to praise him even in the difficult days. God deserves to be praised for all he has given to us. Today, we focus on a harvest and for all he has done for us, especially the salvation he has given us through Jesus. Our worship 
is part of the spiritual harvest he reaps in our lives when we come to him through Jesus and allows us to continually worship him in ways that will point others to his love and his grace. As we still our hearts before him to remember what he has taught us, another verse from Psalm 65 focuses our thoughts. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. Let us pray. Father, when we stop to consider all you give us and all you do for us, we are amazed and in awe of your greatness and struck in our hearts by your unfailing love. Even as we watch the sun rise or we see it set, we are reminded again of your faithful provision of a new day or another night's rest. Help us to worship you with the joy that you deserve to see in our lives and honor you in ways that will draw others to you when they see that over and above everything that is going on around us and that is happening to us, we know that your unfailing love and constant care surrounds us daily. And we ask this through Jesus, our amazing Savior. Amen. We'll continue to worship as we sing our concluding hymn, number 95. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. Thank you. 
and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And to help you know this love and grasp the hope and blessing he can give us, may the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And the much-loved people of God together said,